Greetings, everyone. This is Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards, as we know, is off working on the soundhealthportal.com. I'll remind you that you can go to soundhealthportal.com. Now scroll down on that landing page, and you'll be able to see the current campaigns. And campaigns are those that you can do to choose a campaign, a free service that you can run. It'll walk you through all of this. So you'll choose a campaign, and currently there's things such as biodiet, neuroplasticity, and PTSD, as well as many others. Just scroll down that landing page and pick a campaign, and you'll do the recordings, and you'll get back really an amazing amount of information in a report in about 2 to 12 hours. But today I really wanted to remind people about the, what I always like to refer to laughingly as the good old nano voice. The nano voice is available for free at the soundhealthportal.com. You just go to that page and you just click on the nano voice right over on the right-hand side. For example, I like to use the nano voice. Let's say I want to add a supplement to my regime. So I take a vocal print. So that means I talk into the computer for, again, with a nano voice, you just click start. And a window opens, and then it'll ask you, really, you're ready? Really? And then it'll ask you to talk for a certain amount of period of time. And it'll count down and show you. You'll get a report back, a written report, but you can also look at the color bars. If you go to soundhealthoptions.com, under classes, you can get the note correlate chart for free. And if you have the note correlate chart, which I won't go into now, but it shows you the notes and colors and some other information, when you run the nano voice, you can look at the levels of the colors that will show up in the graph. This all makes sense once you do it once. And you can see what's too high or what might be indicative if it looks like, wow, that's way out of range or not quite enough. And you can see where that's indicating where there's an imbalance and what's going on. But I also use it, as I say, to measure supplements. So I'll take a vocal print, a recording using nano voice, have that take the supplement, wait about 30 minutes, go back, take another vocal print using nano voice, and see if there's shifts in the color chart and see if it takes something way too high or way too low, causes a big swing, or if it just causes a slight lift of the area I'm looking for, like let's say more vitamin C, which I think we should all be taking in this time because it's great for the immune system, it's a great supporter. The nano voice is really handy it's always available. It's easy to use. Doing work through the Sound Health Portal and doing a full vocal print is easy to do, but understanding the information is a little more complicated. And I just want to remind people that the Nano Voice is there. It's free. It's available. You can do it now. It's been around forever. It was one of Sherry's early pieces. That will, I imagine, I believe it will probably always be free. I can't guarantee that, but I kind of think so. It's a very handy piece of software to use, and you can find that going back to soundhealthportal.com, right hand of the page, and you just click start. It's really simple. I will recommend that I think you get a little better input if you use a microphone like the little Go mic, which is available at soundhealthoptions.com under the store. But the Go mic is really handy, particularly in this day and age with everybody doing Zooms and all sorts of webinars and web events to stay in touch and have community. It really improves your audio quality so you're not just shouting it to your computer like you're yelling into a can. And it also, for vocal work, it really improves the quality of your intake, meaning the quality of your voice going into the computer. It gives you, therefore, more information and better results. So Samsung Go Mic. I get no fee for this. I just think it's a handy little device. I always have one with me because of somewhere and somebody wants to know something, I can just plug into their computer and have them do a nano voice. It's really handy. This show with Wendy Coulter, wow, are we going to have fun? The audio replay of this show, you'll be able to find by going to soundhealthoptions.com. About 15 minutes after we click end, you'll be able to go there and find the go to radio and then go to Sound Health Radio right from the landing page at soundhealthoptions.com. And you'll be able to find the replay and the flyer for this show right at the top. And if you click on that link, it'll take you back to the show notes 
with all of Wendy's links and the information there. And or, now at the top of the page, we have two of my favorite uh, podcast apps, both cross-platform. You can either use them on Android or iOS and or on your computer, Stitcher and or Pocket Cast. Pocket Cast is my favorite. You'll be able to go to either of those aggregators or any aggregator, meaning iTunes or Dogcatcher, Pocket Catcher. There's a bunch of them now. Now that everybody's doing podcasts because they can't go into their TV studios, you'll be able to go to either of those and look for Sound Health Radio, just Sound Health Radio, or Sherry Edwards, or Talk to Me Guy. Pick any of those. And at the top of that list, you'll find today's show. Takes a little longer, sometimes up to an hour for those feeds to get in there. And if you click at either of those links at the top of the page, you'll find this show, and then you'll find a list of current shows, and then if you click further onto those, you'll find hundreds of hours of shows. But with both of those, it's easy to listen to them and or share them with your friends. And with this information from Wendy, this is a show you're going to want to share or people you know are going to want to know more about it. You're like, listen to this. This is really helpful. I think it's really great work. With that, Wendy Coulter is a certified medical intuitive practitioner, certified energy healing practitioner, and certified transformational coach. She's the founder and CEO of The Practical Path, which presents educational programs in metaphysics for professional and personal intuitive development. The programs and workshops are unique in their use of effective energy balancing and intuition skills fused with proven paradigm-shifting awareness tools which create powerful, lasting results for clients, patients, and practitioners. Her accredited certification program, Medical Intuitive Training, has been pivotal in helping nurses, doctors, psychologists, therapists, energy workers, and health professionals from every holistic, integrative, and allopathic discipline access and fine-tune their innate intuitive abilities and integrate them into their practices. Honored as a faculty member of the prestigious Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine Fellowship, her class on medical intuition is part of their curriculum offerings. She serves on the Bioenergy and Health Committee of the Integrative Health Policy Consortium, Washington, D.C. In 2019, University of California School of Medicine, University of California, San Diego, a leading public university for research, announced a collaboration with Wendy for a research study of medical intuition based on her remarkable pilot study results of her graduate students showing 94% plus accuracy rates. Details about the pilot study and research are at practicalpath.com. Wendy joins us to discuss her path to being a thought leader in the world of medical intuition. Welcome, Wendy. Richard, thank you. Pleasure to be here. So I'm going to start in a very odd place. Just, (laughs) I promise it'll go well, (laughs) but it's an unusual location. Did you feel that your music producer hat contributed (laughs) to your medical intuition? And I mean that. Perhaps your cells were awakened by a particular riff. Oh, you're funny. Or, I love it. Or did Go you ahead. or did you consciously engage your intuition in being a producer or make decisions that way? Well, it, what a great question, first of all, and thank you. And what's funny is that people, that's my history you're, you're referring to. <laughs> many, many yeah. years in the music business as a performer and then as a producer. Um I'll tell you what, there are many uh, studies done on the brains of musicians and how musicians think and what parts of their brain they access. And it turns out, um, and I don't have those at my fingertips, but I will tell you that it turns out that uh, musicians are known, the studies show that musicians use both the left and right hemispheres of their brain, maybe more than other people. And it kind of develops your brain in a little bit more of a... a, um, connected way. And I would say that uh, intuition uh, and developing intuition does the same thing. So it could be that, you know, from a young age, as, you know, as I studied music and played music and grew up with music, uh, that my brain just sort of naturally 
uh, lent itself to the creative process, which is very much the intuitive process at its base. So that's probably all I can I can relate that to, but I really appreciate the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and in the business world, you hear, I've been involved in a number of businesses, a lot, and just being around them, you hear a lot of people talking about trusting their gut. Ah, yeah. Men, growly, gut-oriented, grrr. Women are more intuitive. Men are very gutty. Um, and I have a feeling there's a lot of, I've been around a lot of music people, photographing them and all sorts of stuff. And there is that moment where they, that interesting mix where you, you hear just the right something. Yeah. You could see it's, that moment like a twinkle in the eye or an aha or like, yeah, that's it. And, it's, and, and everybody attrib- you know, attributes it to that sounds really good. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, but what it, is, it, what is that called? What is that is intuitive what, thing called when it's an audio? <laughs> well, it might be some kind of clear cognizance. I don't know, but um, that's it. That's I can it. tell you that. Yeah, I can tell you that as a musician and as a creator, um, the process is not that much different than what I do as a medical intuitive in terms of just kind of going with the flow or being in the flow or whatever you want to call it. That creative space. Um, people also very much call it gut feeling and hunch. It's it comes I think it comes from a very similar if not the same place. It's it's an intuitive experience that you recognize as such, even though you may not call it that. So when you know years ago when I played in bands and you know we played together or when I was writing songs or producing music, and you just have that sense that this is the right fit, this is the right chord, this is the right note, this is the right choice. That's all extremely intuitive um, and very personal as well. So I think that's that's what we call it. And I notice that when people say, I just knew what I knew, I know what I know even though I don't know why I know it, <laughs> that is a form of intuition called clear cognizance. Again, same with gut feeling or hunch or women's intuition or whatever you want to call it. It's It's really the same process. When you break it down like that and you look at it from that perspective, it seems very natural because it is. It's a very human, hardwired experience. Well, and I think we had, you know, when we lived in caves and life consisted of going out, going out of the cave, leaving the family by the fire. If you figured out fire yet, I'm not quite sure when that happened, but if you figured out fire, you had fire. And the idea was to go out get something to eat and not get carried off by a pterodactyl or eaten by a Tyrannosaurus ty- and survive, there was intuition involved, but I don't know that there was conscious thought of it. It was just like, oh. And a lot of times we attribute that to hearing something or smelling something. Those can all be senses, but I think, there's, I think we've always had instinct. And one of the things I like about your work is is the practical approach to what I would, what I think is awakening that and bringing it forth. Yes, I agree I think with it's you. Really great. Well, thank you. Well, you know, you're talking about instinct versus intuition. Maybe they're very similar, um, but uh, I can tell you that all humans have intuition, whether or not we choose to call it that or acknowledge it as, as that. Um, we all know it. We have all have that clear cognizance or the clear sentience, really, which is much more common particularly for healers, clairsentience is clear feeling, meaning um, empathy or feeling the emotions or feelings of other people. And many, many people identify as as empathic, or they say I'm an empath. Generally speaking, when people tell me they're intuitive, when I ask them what kind of intuition they have, most of the time people relate to clairsentience or intuitive feeling. And that is something we, in our society, we actually have a word for it. It's called compassion feeling the emotions of others or feeling the you know, physical information of other people, that's a compassionate stance. So in our culture, as you can probably you know, tell by the word itself, we prize that. But we wouldn't necessarily call that an intuitive state, however I do. Uh, that's how I, def- I would define it. Yes, I'll stop because that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> we'll, I'll, put, I'll book that over there. Because it it's empathy and all that, and I think there's empathy missing. Uh, but I want to ask this question first. Sure. 
how was how was your event with Louise Hay? Your was, it seemed like it was an it was the like wow kind of event for you. <laughs> and now talk about that, please. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, that was quite a, a number of years ago uh, when I was young, and uh, I was very fortunate to be invited to her home. Um, this is many years ago before she was really the publishing juggernaut she turned into. Uh, she had just put out her first couple of books, and she was working with the AIDS community in Los Angeles at that time, this was sort of the late 80s. Um, and she, uh, my, a dear friend of mine was one of her her assistance, and he said, "You got to come check this out." Um, it, it was it was basically an informal living room meeting with a well, I don't know, maybe 20 people, and um, she would lead us uh, through, I believe, a like an affirmation lecture, and we did some affirmations. That was really her perspective, and and then we'd do a healing session on someone, and I'll never forget. She brought out some crystals and things like that, and someone volunteered to do a healing, and I had never done anything like that. I had just, you know, read a lot of great books and was interested in all this stuff, but never actually did anything. And She said, just, you know, use your intention to send some energy to this person, and I felt this rush of energy kind of through my hands and my palms, and it was really powerful. And again, you know, that was like one of those wake-up moments where you go, something's happening here. I wonder what it is. <laughs> I really enjoyed that, and I, I, I could tell that it, it had an effect on, you know, everybody was intending sending intentional energy to this wonderful person, and, and you know, they stood up and said, wow, I, I feel so much better. And that was like one of those moments in life where you go, I want to find out more about what this is. And it led me on a nice journey to becoming a healer, an energy healer, and also using um, what I call visual intuition and mind-body intuition to cure myself of a little tumor that occurred uh, sometime later. And that, again, was a pivotal moment for me in my trajectory is understanding how the mind affects the body, what the body really is trying to say, and how we can tap into that intuitively to get the messages our bodies want to give us. And that's how healing really can occur. Uh, that's my perspective on it. And... Was it the Deepak Chopra's work that gave you some tools? I'm yes. I'm culling through nine thousand things I've read about you. Yes. <laughs> Was it the Deepak Chopra <laughs> work that led you to the the tools that helped you do that visual process? And can you yes. talk about that a little bit? Because you stunned your doctor. Which oh, I always yes, love the was... idea of stunning a doctor. <laughs> I think that's stupendous. <laughs> I did stun my doctor. Yes, this was not long after. Um I had a, a little benign tumor, uh, a little growth, and I went to the doctor, and I had read, Deepak, among many other books, I'd read Deepak Chopra's book called Quantum Healing, which is a phenomenal book where he talks about his uh, trajectory as going from traditional Western medicine to other forms of medicine, and certainly mind-body um, medicine, which he is, of course, one of the early um, writers of and, and, and practitioners of. And in his book, he wrote about how he was giving his patients uh, visualization exercises to help them shrink their tumors uh, and, and other things along those lines. And uh, when I went to my doctor, I asked her, um, she said, well, you know, it's benign. It's called dysplasia, which means, you know, abnormal cells, non-cancerous, but you don't want to take any chances. And she said, let's, uh, let's have some surgery on let's Let's remove it. And she gave me a surgery date for two weeks ahead. And I said to her, you know, I read this fabulous book <laughs> where people are learning how to shrink their tumors with their mind. <laughs> you can imagine her reaction. <laughs> it was like one of those funny moments, you know, where she looked at me like, what planet did you just come from? And she said, I'll never forget, she said, well, it probably won't hurt you. <laughs> and uh, off I went. And um, at the time, I was doing Transcendental Meditation, which is a lovely meditation technique. So for a few minutes every day after my meditation, I just imagined this little tumor shrinking away. And one of the things that Dr. Chopra suggested is coming up with a visualization, uh, like a, a, a little energy tool to help you remove or shrink or change or whatever. And I used this image of a little scrub brush and happy little bubbles just scrubbing it away. <laughs> And it made me laugh, and I thought, well, this is cute. 
And I didn't pay any attention to it. Two weeks later, in the pre-op exam, I hear the doctor gasp, and I'm thinking, well, that's it. I'm done for. And she said, what did you do? It, it, apparently, the tumor had shrunk from about the size of a nickel to about half, about the size of a pea. And she was astounded because it wasn't that kind of tumor. It wasn't going to shrink on its own. And uh, that was one of, again, one of those pivotal moments in my life where I, I realized that there's something to this. And anybody who's ever had a self-healing experience along those lines knows that there's, there's a connection that is undeniable. And that really set me off on a whole lifetime, really, of practice and energy medicine and intuition development and all this sort of stuff that I could see was, was, was not just hypothetical. It was real. And uh, that really led me to a lot of different um, modalities and skills and then developing my own. I didn't realize what I was doing was medical intuition, which was being able to see into the body as a healer. I was seeing into people's bodies because I had kind of practiced this intuitive visual perception my whole life um, in a number of different ways. And it naturally developed and uh, got to the point where after I read uh, Carolyn Mace's work, I realized oh, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm seeing into the body and asking the body for information. So you'd really, you'd, as I recall, you'd, ha you'd had this skill since you were quite young, but as you say, it wasn't until you actually read Carolyn's book that you went, oh, oh, that's me. I'm doing that. Wow. Yeah. How great Her is book that? Really re yeah, it really resonated with me because um, when I was doing um, – just work on myself or when I became a healer and studied different healing methods, I, it turned out that I could actually see more about the physical body than most of my fellow students could. And as I became a professional healer, I found that the, um, my colleagues were sending me their difficult cases because I was able to see not only into the physical, the physiology of the body, the anatomy of the body, but also, and the energy systems as well, but also the life history of the of the person. And I could see where these things began and why they were manifesting. And it was just fascinating to do that. And uh, as I sort of went more into it, I realized, um, and doctors were calling me too, and I'm not alone in that. People that have similar skills, they get these clandestine calls from <laughs> doctors they hear about you <laughs> they don't want to they don't want their name mentioned at all but they really do want a consultation because people are often very resistant to traditional forms of medicine or even complementary alternative forms of medicine and we're talking about you know healing and why do some people heal and why do some <laughs> people not heal which is a big subject you know yeah but um, um medical intuition really addresses this I think more than maybe any other skill, and I'm, that's a big thing to say, but it, what it addresses is the origins of imbalance and why something manifested the way that it did in a very unique-to-the-person way. It's not like a template that you put over everyone. Everybody's energy is so unique and so personal um, that that becomes my philosophy, is that your story is yours. It's nobody else's. And it has, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's very personal. So uh, that's that's been the way I've approached it. Mm -hmm. um, before we move to this next section, I want to ask you, just for my own clarity, do I need to meditate for hours every day to do this medical intuitive work? Not at all, no. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love meditation. I'm a, I'm a big meditation fan, but... Um, the meditation, the way I teach this process is it's very methodical. Now, don't forget, I decided to teach uh, doctors, nurses, and healthcare professionals, complementary and alternative, and you know even energy folks, because I wanted the what I saw in the, in, out there in the world as I became a healer and a medical intuitive and um, a teacher of certain kinds of skills is that there's this major gap in Western medicine, and the gap is. Uh, the understanding of where the issue came from. And I wanted to fill that gap because that's what medical intuition does. And I knew that if I, it, being a practitioner is wonderful, but being a teacher is another story. So I wanted to create a program that really spoke to the kind of 
uh, I want to say almost left brain methodical <laughs> way that pe- that uh, people in the healthcare field have to learn. That's their perspective, and they should have that perspective because that's how you learn your method. So I put together a method that is very practical, very methodical, and very uh, usable for people in the field uh, that are working with patients and clients. And uh, that might be, you know, a little bit of a difference here. It's not, these are, um, what is the word, woo-woo? Is that a good word, Richard? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) When we're talking about intuition, we're talking about intangible, right? So these are intangible concepts made tangible by the practice of it. So it's really something that anyone can learn. Um, I personally teach people in healthcare because I think that's where it's most useful. And and I would say that I my current feeling about intuition is that I think it's intangible because we just don't under, have enough context in our brain pans to grok that it's it's a thing. It's mm. like every other set. We we have the sense of smell. We have the sense of touch. We have all sorts of senses. And I think intuition is in that quiver of things that we have. And yeah. one of the things I like about how you teach is it is very methodical. Because if you've, what blows my mind is that you have, you have and have had a very successful practice as a medical intuitive. And yet, you have chosen to take on teaching these wallheads. And I mean that in a much kinder way than it sounds. I mean, and they, they, kind of, they need to be wallheads to a certain extent. And it, for the quantity of data that they take in, except oh, yeah. for nutrition. Um, the quantity of data and the way they have to organize it, they have to, it's a pet peeve, uh, pardon me. Um, they really need to be kind of wallheads. It was actually Bruce Lipton that introduced me to the idea of dogma. I didn't understand what dogma was until I heard him lecture when he wrote his first book. I yeah. interviewed him in the 90s. Yeah. And he said in in medical school, there are dogmas that we are taught, and that means that, that that's it. Whatever that is, that's like two plus two. Yeah. That's a dogmatic belief. We are taught that if you cut somebody, they bleed. If you, And that's all true. I can't come up with a good exam, medical example, but we're taught things that are dogmatic beliefs, and that's that. And we mm-hmm. don't think outside that. So I think it's very brave of you to dive into that world of wallheads, of like dogmatic <laughs> thinkers who are, you know, for the most part, they are people who want to help and heal people as doctors. Yeah, they would never so, well, use the word term. They, they would never, ever, 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 ever use the term healing. Well, but I really you, believe it at their core. Yes. Well, of course. It's the Hippocratic Oath, right? But yeah. here's the thing. This is what you'll find fascinating, and I found it fascinating when I started um, working with doctors, and that was many years ago. Uh, I was working with doctors and uh, noticing their, you know, not wanting to, you know, talk too much about it to their colleagues. Most of them said to me, I can't talk about this to my colleagues because of the dogma, because of the stigma around it. Now, let me just give you a little bit of hope here, Richard. This is obviously changing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And one of the things that is changing is the fact that the doctors who trust their gut instincts, where we started with our conversation, are the ones that are the revered doctors in terms of how they work with their patients They're as diagnosticians because that's what doctors do. The ones that trust their gut feelings and their hunches are considered the best of the best. What are they talking about? They're talking about intuition. And in medical school, uh, in certain medical schools anyway, from what I'm told, the topic of intuition is not off the table. They discuss it in terms of trust your gut. In nursing practice, trusting their gut, the nurses are actually told, trust your gut feelings about this, trust your hunches, because nurses are working bedside with patients, and if they get a sense that something is off, they are really obligated to tell their attending physician. Now, they're not taught how to access intuition as a skill set, but they are taught to trust it if it happens. Now, whether or not the attending doctor listens to them is another story, but it is part of their nursing practice as well, as well as it being discussed as a point of, uh, you know, point of, of 
something to look out for in medical school. And so it's not that foreign to doctors. In fact, there's a lot of history. Uh, some of the early doctors, uh, William Osler, I believe, was the founder of Johns Hopkins. There's a million quotes from him or a lot of quotes from him that are taught in medical school about uh, listen to the patient and, you know, in many cases kind of trust your instinct on it in some fashion. So it's not a foreign concept to the practice of medicine. However, um, medical intuition is not the practice of medicine at all. It is a way to, a, kind of a portal or a framework within which, um, a, you know, a licensed practitioner can work. And because I teach people from across the spectrum of healthcare, so everything from medical doctors to, you know, uh, chiropractors, acupuncturists, nurses, et cetera, et cetera, everybody has a different way of using this skill. And that's what's so wonderful about it is that it's, it's translatable. And the information that you can glean is incredibly useful, we found. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm happy to talk about our research if you'd like, to, if you'd like me to go there. I, well, let me, I want to talk about your research in just one moment, but I'd like, to talk, I'd like you to talk about an example of one of your patient, clients. And I, it's the one with the, uh, the woman who broke her wrist playing tennis. Yes. Yes. And the, yes. and the traumas that that surrounded that because I I want to have a discussion with you about that. Absolutely. So talk about her, please. Yes. Well, I I talk about this particular case a good deal because it's a perfect example of medical intuition and how it works, and how I practice and frankly how I teach it as well. It's a very similar process. So there's two ways I use medical intuition. One way is to have a conversation with the part of the body that is in distress. Um, and, and also the related systems of the body that could be reactive to that particular issue. That's one way, and that's a very almost, it's an interesting conversation to have with the body. <laughs> um, the second way is, and that would I, you would call that the physical perspective. The other perspective is the emotional and mental perspective, and even spiritual, meaning what happened in someone's life to create an imbalance and how the body stores all of that information. So this client of mine uh, was a woman in her mid-40s, very successful businesswoman. Uh, she'd had this persistent case of tendonitis in her wrist, and uh, she'd had it over a month, but she didn't know where it came from, uh, and she asked me to take a look at it. And, you know, tendonitis is persistent, and it can last a long time, but when I looked at it, I asked it what it wanted to show me, and the first thing it showed me and again, it's like looking at an MRI or a functional MRI. I see the inner workings of the body. So I saw the you know, inflamed tendons there, and underneath the tendons I saw what looked like a bone scar, like a, a fracture that had healed. And um, also around the wrist was this cloud of grief and emotion that was very present for her. When I asked the wrist what it wanted, wanted to show me, it showed me a little uh, image of her life, and again, I, I said I can see the life history. So it, sh it shows me like a little movie, really. And what I saw was her at age 21 playing tennis with her boyfriend. She swung her racket, she tripped and fell, and broke that wrist, uh, and that was the fracture that I saw. The second thing it showed me was her in the hospital room, in the ER, having a wrist taped up with her boyfriend there with her, and he broke up with her in the hospital room. And what her wrist was indicating was that it was holding on to it, it stored, so to speak, that not only the pain of the fracture and the trauma of the fracture, but also the trauma of the emotional breakup. And um, that was a little aha moment for my client because at the mo right there when I finished reading that out, she said to me, I'm going through a breakup right now. And she said it had happened just about a month ago. She was uh, Her partner of 10 years had broken up with her. And her wrist was indicating that this current breakup had sort of triggered, I would say, the trauma of that earlier breakup 20-something years prior with her boyfriend. And it was showing up again as tendonitis. That was a real aha moment for her. <laughs> now, when I asked the wrist if there was anything else you know, for me to look at, it showed me another image from her life. And this is, again, what medical intuition can do. It shows you the whole picture if you look. It showed me an image, uh, she was about five years old, in a dark closet, raising her wrist up for mm. protection, like in front of her face. 
it looked like a cane was striking her, a stick or cane was striking her right there on her wrist, and it looked like a, a mother figure was hitting her. And she stopped me and she said, my mother was mentally ill. She used to hit me, with, beat me with her cane and lock me in a closet. So those images she resonated with, they made sense to her life. Her wrist was basically telling her that there's this lifetime of emotional trauma and physical trauma that is being stored there and it has not been released, it has not been processed. Now, this is an interesting case because it went all the way back to five years old. The wrist had a lot of information for her and I was able to see it all and give it to her and it was very useful for her. So the other thing I look at is what the body is asking for. And her body was asking for emotional, you know, an emotional, um, what is the word, congruence amongst all of these images and all of these circumstances. So it was asking for that, but it was also saying, you know, there's some disrupted sleep, there's some gut issues going along with this because I want to look at the whole body rather than just a piece of it. But it really indicated that this was an emotionally based issue. And that was the session, essentially. I called her a couple of days later to see how she was doing, and she told me her wrist was completely healed. It was back to normal. And she felt more able to process the emotions of the current breakup. It gave her a lot of information in terms of processing the emotional traumas over the years, including the current one. And when she was able to do that, her wrist had what, what I think Western medicine would call spontaneous remission. <laughs> but it when you look at it from the perspective of a medical intuitive, it all makes sense. It is of a piece. And that's the value of medical intuition. Now, not everybody's going to have spontaneous remission, and that's not the point of it. But for her, that is what happened, and it makes it a very interesting case report. Well, I remember many years ago I did body work, and I don't mean cars. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did massage therapy on people. And when I, early on, I'd taken a lot of training because I'm just that way, uh, excessive amounts of training. And early on, it was always surprising when you'd be working on somebody and you'd work on an area and then they'd break out in tears. Yeah. Oftentimes quiet, subtle tears. You'd look up and, you know, their tears would be just gently streaming down their face. It wasn't necessarily sobbing. Although if you then proceeded to work more, in conversation with them, I mean out loud conversation, not just the internal voice, but that out loud conversation. Maybe yeah. they'd say, yes, please go a little further, and you'd work on it, and then, you know, the tears would get heavier. And it was always, the first couple of times it happened, it was like, whoa. Yeah. Not spooky, but just like, that's not what I meant to do. I'm sorry. You know, right. But then, once you realize that, you know, I, I believe that the body gets back to Bruce Lipton's work about our cells are listening. Yeah, And I think absolutely. in the work that you do, when you acknowledge it, the cells go, oh, wow, we've been waiting for somebody to notice. Thank you. <laughs> and in a certain yeah. way they can give it up or let it go or have acknowledgement of that what's stuck there. Yeah, uh, that's it, acknowledgement and permission to release and, you know, all those wonderful concepts that are conceptual until you can actually access the, you know, the information. And that's what medical intuition is. It's informational. So I'm not um, affecting anyone's energy field or physical body. I'm just asking it for information. And that information, well, you know, there's an old saying, right, Richard? Knowledge is power. Well, there it is. <laughs> you know, the more you know, the more mastery you can have over any given issue. And you know, having a medical diagnosis doesn't necessarily give you the energy diagnosis, so to speak, <laughs> or the energetic <laughs> information of why the body has manifested this in the first place. Now, that might be a big concept for many people, um, and that is the the idea that the body manifests things for a reason. I mean, a lot of people don't even want to go there, but the body will always tell you, as a medical intuitive, my experience is, it's that conversation. And there's always information, and it's always very personal and unique to the person. So one of the things that I, the stances I take, is that I cannot have a bias as a medical intuitive. If I have a bias, I'm coming to a session with something that is dogmatic, right? You mentioned that word earlier, where I put it through a lens. Well, 
medical intuition is the absence of a lens. I don't want to have a bias about anything. I'm not going to say if you have a, a shoulder pain, then you know, you're taking on the too much burden and responsibility. That may not be true for you. Uh, something else might be entirely, uh, entirely something else going on. So this is where the learning curve comes in for people who are trained in very specific skills, modalities, and, you know, educational processes, there's a series of unlearning steps that happen that um, you want to not have to come in with a bias. Does that make sense? Yes. I think that's really a – it makes me think of people who I have known who do kinesiology or muscle testing. Mm -hmm. I have known some brilliant kinesiologists who are very – they're what I would call clear or what you're saying neutral – and they can do amazing work, whereas other kinesiologists, when I used to do be at health shows, uh, living a, live a whole life expos, those kinds of events, you'd see people who would be muscle testing you with their product on the table. Mm -hmm. Well, oh, my God, look, 90% of the people coming by test strong for their product. Wow, mm -hmm. that's shocking. Mm -hmm. um, versus uh, somebody who's really clear at doing kinesiology can do amazing findings of information. Now, it may really yeah. truly be intuition that's driving them, not just the muscle testing, yeah. but that's a separate show. Well, and that's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll Go give ahead. you my personal opinion about please. Uh, please. kinesiology. Oh, please. <laughs> I'm putting myself on the line here because I teach many kinesiologists or people who are trained in kinesiology. And I'll tell you that I think it's an imperfect art form. And you mentioned it yourself. Why are some people great and some people not so great? Here's my opinion, which might be different than other people's. It's, I don't think it's about so much about the practitioner, although it may be. I'm not an expert there. Um, and I think the practitioner has a lot to do with it. But I also think the body has a lot to do with it. The one thing that a lot of these, it's a different perspective when you come to it from the body's perspective rather than the practitioner's perspective. And this is a real key difference in medical intuition and why it's not a modality, why it's a functional, uh, foundational skill. Um, and that is that the body has its own perspective. Our bodies actually have consciousness. Bruce Lipton said our cells are listening. Well, that is really true. So if our bodies have their own consciousness and awareness and information and perspective, what are we doing as a kinesi you know, what is a kinesiologist doing? If you press someone's arm or, or wherever while they're holding something, the body has something to say about it. And bodies retain emotion. <laughs> they get fearful, they get joyful, they get all kinds of things, like little children almost. So I would rather look at it from a medical intuitive perspective and say, Okay, we're gonna have this conversation with the body, but we're gonna find out what's driving the issue. We're not going to get the body going, yes, I want this, no, I want that. We're going to say, what's the bigger picture here, and what does the body need for forward motion, for, for health, for balance? We're going to get the whole picture, not only the body's perspective. In other words, there's an energy system as well that needs to be discussed, right? We need to talk about it with the chakra system, with the auric field, with the spiritual systems, et cetera, et cetera. It's a it's a shocking concept. The idea of looking at the body as a system. Wow. <laughs> that has all these other systems shocking. with it, right? Shocking. Yes. Yeah. I've, it's always blown me away when I've gone to a specialist, a physician yeah. who's a specialist, a dermatologist. I'll yeah. pick on them. Yeah. Um, and but it's like they what? How can you look at the skin and not think about the liver? It's interesting, isn't Nothing. it? Yes. It's fascinating. And, and that is. I'll call it this fascinating. Is, well, this is the this is well listen, this is why people go to medical intuitives. You know, this is why people want that holistic perspective. The word holistic, boy, does that get thrown around. And I don't think it means anything except I'm gonna say another very bold thing here, except from the medical <laughs> intuitive perspective, because what I'm asking is, body, let's look at this system, but let's look at all systems. You know, what do you want from every system? And including the energy system, the energy anatomy. So that is holistic. That's a 360 view. You can't get that if you're only looking at it from one point of view. Okay. 
I almost <laughs> went off on that. I, not in a negative way, but yes, I completely agree with you. I think we'll just set that over there because <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. I just yeah. I can't imagine how you can isolate a thing and just go, that's it. Really? Well, that's, that's it? There's that's the bias. No other consideration? That's well, the here's bias. the thing. Here, here's the danger of that, Richard, and this is why I'm so passionate about medical intuition, and this is why I'm so blessed to be teaching it to uh, you know physicians and and people in the healthcare field as well, um, because they they the people who understand it really do understand it, and that's the integrative and functional medicine world where they're learning about Chinese medicine, diet, nutrition, Ayurvedic medicine, herbs. Um, you know, naturopathic and, and intuition and intuitive processes and medical intuition and energy healing. They're interested in this because they understand that medicine, as it has been practiced for hundreds of years, I suppose, is, is like it, it's very much a biased uh, tunnel vision perspective. And here's the problem with that. The problem is, is that medical error is the third leading cause of death in the U.S. Now, not right now with the coronavirus, unfortunately. Those numbers have changed, but that's that's a temporary situation. Uh, But medical error, when I saw those numbers, I couldn't believe it. Uh, It was like, from a medical intuitive perspective, medical error seems to be, well, unnecessary. Put it that way. Because there's information you can gain and glean and hear and, you know, experience from the body itself that would hopefully mitigate that. So this is one of the reasons why, you know, that's a bit of my soapbox. Look, I want the doctors to learn that this is a possibility, that they can work with the medical intuitive or they can learn it themselves and help their patients in ways that their training may be, you know, not as 360 of you, put it that way. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like your work so much. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I'll tell um, you what, let, my, my students mm-hmm. are the ones that are really bringing it forward. Because uh, they're, they're the ones who are bringing it into their, you know, their, their traditional Western medicine practices and their you know, uh, complementary and alternative practices and their nursing practices and their psychology practices. They're the ones who are forging the way. I'm teaching them, and they're the ones who are incorporating it. It's very exciting to see. Mm-hmm. And I would think that it would be – I've worked with a lot of nurses in either in hospice or as an herbalist. I've worked with formulations for hospice people and a variety of different kinds of practitioners, but I've spent a lot of time with nurses. And doctors are all the big shiny thing. However, the nurses spend more time with the patient than anybody else. So I would think that nurses would be so happy to have this skill set available because they're really the ones that get to spend time with the person. They're not rushing in and out to the next – I mean, they're rushing as well, but not nearly as much as the doctors. The doctors are always like on fire trying to get from station to station to station, and nurses are regularly with that person. Absolutely, Richard, yeah. and you're also outlining one of the biggest problems in medicine right now, Western medicine, is just the, the way the system is set up. It's really not conducive. It, what is conducive, too, is burnout and uh, compassion fatigue and, you know, all of the, the numbers we're hearing now about how doctors and nurses are just burning out. It's, a, it's really a not, a, well, not, a helpful, not a helpful or healthful system. But you're right, nurses are phenomenal, and they are some of the most intuitive people I've ever met. And um, the, the program, my program is actually endorsed by and certified, uh, excuse me, accredited by the American Holistic Nurses Association and, and in California, the California Nursing Board. And nurses very much relate to this because they're already using their intuition. So uh, that's a, an area where I see this moving forward. That's very exciting. Now, please talk to us about your research. I know there's some of that, there was a lot of it in there, but I, I promised we'd come back to that question. <laughs> so I appreciate it. I'll talk to you about some of your research. Sure. Well, we're very excited about it. Um, the I, I looked into the you know the PubMed, uh, which is a government-run you know well the peer-reviewed information on studies that have been done. And I looked for medical intuition. <laughs> well, let me tell you, there is so much information about intuition in healthcare and medicine, uh, much of it from the nursing sector, 
but a lot of it from psychology and other areas, psychoneuroimmunology as well. And there's a lot of interest, and there's just been a lot of studies done, but nothing specifically about the skill of medical intuition, which is a very specific kind of skill. So I realized that if if I was going to get an evidence base going here, I better do it myself <laughs> with my students. And I worked with some wonderful people down in San Diego, uh, researchers and, and uh, physicians and people like that, and put together a, a survey, a pilot survey, with my graduate students. And we had about five of my graduate students, about 67, exactly 67 self-selected people from the community. Some of them uh, were patients uh, via UCSD Medical Center. Some of them were not. Some of them were through Scripps Medical Center, their cardiac treatment center. So we had kind of a nice mix of people who agreed to be our subjects. These were blinded sessions. Uh, the, the students, uh, the graduates, had their eyes closed, so they were not getting any visual cues from the subjects. We did not t do any intake, so there was no information ahead of time. And uh, here are some of our results, which we're very proud of. We had a 94% accuracy rate in the medical intuitive location and evaluation of the subject's primary health care issue, again, with no intake, no information. And that, we thought, was extraordinary. Uh, we had a 98 a 98% accuracy rate with the medical intuitive's correlation of that subject's life history um, to their health issues. So they made a connection between early life history, again, no prior information from the subject, what the medical intuitive discerned in their energy, and this healthcare issue, and the, they were rated at 98% accurate there, which we thought, again, was pretty outstanding. Because <laughs> um, that's that whole picture. You know, where did this come from? Why is it happening? What is, it, what, is, what is the information it wants me to know? That kind of thing. We also found um, we had a lot of great results. Another result, and this was a kind of, we, we weren't sure we should ask it, but we asked it. We just figured we'd ask everything we could think of to ask. One of the things we asked was, of those uh, subjects who had a, a verifiable medical diagnosis, of which there, of that 67, about half of them said, yes, I have a known diagnosis from my healthcare provider. How consistent was the medical intuitive with that diagnosis? Now, again, medical intuitives, unless they're licensed, do not diagnose. We were asking the subject how consistent were they with the diagnosis that you knew you had, and we had a 94% accuracy rate, or consistency, I should say, with known medical diagnosis. Now, that blew everybody away because that wasn't necessarily the goal. Uh, but when we asked that, we were thrilled with that result. So I took all of that data, and there's much more besides, and it's on the website, thepracticalpath.com. I took all of that data, and I sent it to a colleague uh, of mine uh, by the name of Dr. Mills, Dr. Paul Mills, uh, who is the head of a, a research center at the University of California, San Diego uh, School of Medicine. And he said, he also looked in the research and said, you know, there's been no definitive gold standard study on this. And I said, I know. <laughs> And he said, let's do it. So we've created, uh, between uh, the Practical Path, my company, and his, his organization at UCSD School of Medicine, we've devised a uh, phenomenal gold standard study, uh, the first of its kind, on medical intuition accuracy. And we are in the process of fundraising for that. And hopefully we can get the funds raised and have that go because uh, the, just the pilot study results were so phenomenal. They're about to be published, I believe, next month in a, a journal, peer-reviewed journal. And from that, we really hope to launch this gold standard, you know, evidence base for medical intuition because it can really support uh, the healthcare field like, you know, <laughs> frankly, I think like maybe nothing else has, but that's me being optimistic. So we're crossing our fingers for that. <laughs> Well, I thought it, I think it's phenomenal that you already have it set up so that people can get, such as nurses, can get continuing education credits for this. Yes, well, that blows you, my mind in such a great way. Like, what? You could, I could tell a nurse about this, and she could actually get continuing education credits. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah, not only nurses, but acupuncturists, and uh, we are in the process of. Uh, 
gaining continuing education in mental health care uh, and a number of fields. Um, there's more and more interest right now, and it's really something I've seen grow over the last six, five or six years, uh, a growing interest in all kinds of what we call biofield therapies, um, meaning energy-based uh, perspectives on health and wellness. And I'll tell you why, Richard. It's because there's more and more evidence base for things like healing touch and therapeutic touch and Reiki and sound healing and, you know, anything that has to do with energy and frequency and whatnot. People are finding results. Well, what does that mean? That means there needs to be studies done. There needs to be evidence base done. And there is. Uh, and medical intuition is not a new field. It's been around for centuries. But it hasn't been studied formally yet uh, until hopefully very soon, and the research that I was able to do, uh, and little bits and pieces here and there. But um, this is, a, you know, really where medicine, frankly, in my opinion, should be going. It should be a synthesis of all of these wonderful skills and techniques. Um, and it just takes time for that to, you know, look, acupuncture, think about this, 40, 50 years ago, maybe even sooner, 30 years ago, acupuncture was not considered valid, right? Um, and and it, it took a lot of effort and concerted effort to validate it partially, uh, maybe mainly, by evidence-based study. But <laughs> what is acupuncture? It's a system of energy channels through the body. It's energy. It really falls under that rubric, but not everybody would think about it that way, and it may not even be presented that way. But we're talking about chi, which or ki, which is energy moving through the body systems, and it can be measured. And that's the point of this, is we want things to be evidence-based. I know a lot of practitioners who prefer it not be, but to be honest, I'm on the side, I'm in the camp of test it, check it, verify it, and let's get this out there into the world and, you know, out from behind the, you know, the woo-woo factor. <laughs> it, having had acupuncture for, wow, I'm that old. Uh, you know, on and off for 30 years. Let's just say yeah. 30 years, probably yeah. longer, maybe 40. Wow. <laughs> um, that it's it. I've I've been around. I, I've had acupuncture for such a long period of time because I've known a lot of practitioners, and I really like acupuncture. Yeah. Uh, I've dealt with some. You know, I've had a lot of medical oriental medical doctors who are acupuncturists. And so it's, it blows my mind when people talk, you talk about having acupuncture, and they're like, well, I don't know. I, and I'm, what? It's only yeah. been, you know, in, in the Pacific Rim for, oh, maybe 1,000 to 2,000 years. I don't know. What do you think? They're just making it up? It, it blows my mind. So I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm on your team of let's, why not do studies? Why not verify? I, I'm unclear about why a practitioner would be opposed to the idea of research and studying and verifying because it just leads to more credibility to what is being done and being said and results. Yeah. What about that? Well, and you know, to heal people. Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, the fact that medical intuitives have been working with doctors under the radar and behind the scenes for so many years, I mean, it's ridiculous, but it, it is part of the, the paradigm that is shifting. And I'm, I'm very, very pleased that my work has been so recognized and embraced by the integrative and functional medicine world because those doctors are on the cutting edge. Uh, they really are. They want to know about this. They want to integrate this information. They want to use these, n not new, but new maybe to medicine, traditional medicine, they want to use these in, this information in helping their clients and pa their patients, I should say, heal. And that is what is coming. That is not just what's coming, it's what's here. And, you know, I'm an advocate. I'm, I was very honored to be asked to create a component on medical intuition for the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine as part of their fellowship. And I also teach at Andrew Weil's Center once a year as part of their rotating faculty for their um, integrative medicine elective rotation program, which is geared to young doctors, fourth-year medical students and residents. That is the generation of doctors who are basically getting educated from the beginning in these wonderful integrative, alternative, whatever you want to call them, 
ways of looking at health. It's brilliant. And, uh, you know, long time coming, but I'm thrilled to be part of it, and I'm very, very honored. And it's a very exciting time right now. Boy, howdy. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. I mean, it's it's setting aside everything else going on in the world, I'm really happy to see this happening, and as we discussed backstage when I talked to you days ago, I had an herb store. I got my degree as a master herbalist in the 80s. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And really so pioneer. now to see things happening, <laughs> to see these things happening now yes. is exciting that within my lifetime, this might actually be a thing. Oh, look. It, it, actually, it is a thing. It just depends on yeah. where you look. Um, you know, look, Kaiser, you know, one of the biggest, old, maybe oldest HMOs, they're incorporating mindfulness training. Hello, you know? <laughs> and we're seeing that, but, but this is exciting, and that's a major shift to even consider that the mind has an effect on the body. <laughs> that's what mindfulness <laughs> is all about. What? And sure, for, what? for stress you mean reduction. mean my mind is involved? Yeah. I can't yeah. believe that. Yeah. Hard um, to believe. Wow. And the other thing <laughs> is that you'll, you'll enjoy is that um, every major medical school has not every, but most of the big ones, Duke, Harvard, um, you know, Johns Hopkins, Cleveland Clinic, all of them have centers for integrative medicine. What does that mean? That means this is a place where their medical staff and their, 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 their trainees and their students can learn about all of these amazing things that are new, and some of them are very, very uh-huh. old, but new to them. And this is where medicine is. Yeah, and this is where medicine is going, and this is why, again, I just get very excited about it because um, this is what we want to see. We want to see the integration of East and West. We want to see the integration of intuition into medicine. We want to see the integration of diet and health, and all of these emo- you know, mind, body, spirit. That's what that means, isn't it? Mind, body, spirit. That means that it's not mm-hmm. just one thing. And that's um, what we're medic. That's what medical intuition. That's the point of it, is to integrate mind, body, and spirit. That's very exciting. Uh, I, I believe there will be a part two because I want to ask you about <laughs> the intuitive economy. But we can't now. Uh, <laughs> but I really want to, but we're not going to, uh, because we're at that time where I have to. I would like to ask you where would you like people to find out more about your work, and. We, we didn't really talk about, so I have to ask you about, we talk a lot about the training for licensed professionals or people in the field. You also have a shorter class that is more for what I would call lay people who want to know more about yeah. intuitive healing. Could you talk just a little bit about that as you tell people sure. where to go to get more information about you? Absolutely. So the main program is a nine-month program in two levels. It's one weekend a month, and I, try, I teach twice a year in spring and fall. So you, there's information on the website at thepracticalpath.com. That training is not only for licensed professionals. It's also for certified um, complementary and alternative health, biofield therapies, things like that. So go to the website. There's a lot of information there about that. The other course I teach is a six-hour workshop in self-healing using medical intuition, using these visual mind-body skills. And that course I teach a few times a year in person, um, excuse me, uh, live online. All my programs are live online, even the main program. Yeah, so we we work with people all over the world, and you get to expand your your community that way. Uh, And it works great that way. It's very, very, very um, experiential. So the workshop uh, is... I teach that a few different times a year, and that's listed on the website as well. And that's for people who want to learn how to use these mind-body skills for their own health and wellness. So it's like opening the door to the conversation between you and your body. <laughs> and these are wonderful skills anyone can use, and I ask people to check that out. That's called the Medical Intuition for Healing Workshop. Wonderful. Thank you. Oh, you're Otherwise, welcome. we're going to go on for two hours. I know. Um, it's a great great fun to speak with you, Richard. <laughs> thank you. You too. Uh, thank you so much, Wendy. I, as I say, everybody, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, 
click on the radio tab, click on Sound Health Radio, the replay will be there. Uh, the link back to the show notes and everything, Wendy's pages and more information about her there, and or click on the Stitcher or the Pocket Gas app and you'll the replay will be there in about 45 minutes to an hour typically. And right. Wow. Wonderful. Come join us. Thank, Thank you. you. And cut, go, please join us at the, thepracticalpath.com. There's all kinds of great information and guided meditations and things like that. Wonderful. All thank right, you. everybody. Have a great rest of the weekend. And thank you again, Wendy. That was wonderful. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.